0: Welcome back to what we don't know. I'm your host, Xander Schultz. I'm going to start kicking these episodes off with my producer, Phineas. What's going on, Phineas? How are you, Xander? Excited about this? I'm excited too, man. This uh, Georgia runoff is incredible. A lot of folks are fatigued, election fatigued, understandably. But I I think, you know, if if we do this right, if, if we win these runoffs, it's going to be yet another data point that organizers, these black and brown organizers, who everyone is rightfully attributing to winning this last election for Biden, they're going to get another win on the board because Georgia is going to be won by them. And to solidify that theory, that relational organizing and community organizing is the key to voter turnout. It's the best investment you can make. And if you want what they call low propensity voters, right, voters who don't traditionally turn out. Right. These organizers would say they're underinvested in that, like, we, we spend a lot of time and money getting other folks to turn out and not that much time and money into these folks. But that's the investment you need to make if you want to have these outcomes.
1: Yeah, so – Tell me about that. So you've been you've switched your focus from obviously the national ticket, the presidential race to Georgia. And now all eyes are on Georgia. Yep. How have you changed your focus as an activist? Is it all Georgia, all hands on deck on Georgia now?
0: Yeah, I think I think so, you know, and I shy away from that term activist at times. I think of myself as someone in support of, of activists, uh, but maybe, you know, digital activism, maybe it counts. Um, and so,
1: well, that's something you do so well on the show is we, we highlight these activists, right? We are supporting and telling these stories. That's what I love about the show.
0: Totally. And I think that's like part of, part of my duty as someone in a position of privilege is like to continue kind of using the powers I have to move the light towards these incredible, incredible people. And so, yeah, so last week I launched something called win both seats I got a bunch of uh, notable folks as co-founders to, to help help this get into the public's eye. So, uh, folks like Andrew Yang, Martin Luther King's son, Martin Luther King III, uh, actors uh, Sophia Bush, Kumail Nanjiani, uh, and I don't want to I don't want hurt anyone's feelings by leaving anyone out. So I'm just going to stop, stop the list there. But a bunch of notable folks. My favorite is Dikembe Mutombo because I'm a huge you know basketball geek, and so and he's from Atlanta. Uh, you know he's an Atlanta Hawks legend. He lives there now. So. Uh, So we got a good group together. We launched last week. We've raised $1.3 million as of today for this syndicate. It's like a portfolio of organizers, 16 of them, uh, and three of them are the folks we're talking to on this show. And so this show is also a donor call uh, for a bunch of donors to come in and hear about our plan for for Georgia and their plans.
1: So this episode is folks that you have supported already through this new win both seats fund.
0: You got it. So so on this episode, we've got Rashad Robinson, who runs Color of Change. Rashad's one of America's greatest, greatest civil rights leaders. Before that, he played a big part in GLAD during an era where they passed a bunch of rights for, for LGBTQ community.
1: Episode 11, we had him on the show.
0: Yeah, we're going to keep having Rashad on the show. He's incredible. <laughs> I'm a super fan. Uh, and then uh, Latasha Brown, who I supported through Defeat by Tweet, already. She runs Black Voters Matter. If you want to have like the best experience of your life, follow her on Twitter. She's like, the, she's got the best energy of anyone I've ever met. And what she's pulled off this election cycle has been incredible. I know a lot of folks are giving love to Stacey, rightfully so, Stacey Abrams. Uh, but Latasha uh, deserves a lot of credit too. And then uh, this was my first time meeting Ai Jin Poo. Who's probably of the three of them? Probably the most recognizable, very famous. She has something called the Domestic Workers Alliance. It organizes domestic workers. It's probably the closest thing to like a union, you know, like domestic workers have. Uh, super, super effective activist. She's be- best friends with uh, Alicia Garza, who is co-founder of BLM and my mentor with the Defeat by Tweet project. And so I've known of iGym for some time, but I hadn't supported her work yet. And so because Wimbo Seats is part of a super PAC, we're not funding Domestic Workers Alliance. We're, we're funding her political group called Care in Action is her the name of her C4.
1: Awesome, yeah. And a-, a quick reminder that we add all of the info for all these groups in the description of the show. So for anybody listening, Go to the description of the show and uh, support these folks on social media and in your own way.
0: And look, you know, that song, I, I would sing if I could sing, but George is on my mind. It's so true for everyone. Everyone's trying to figure out how, how do we get this done? The the Senate hangs in the balance here, right? If we get that 50-50 split, Kamala is the split vote. It's not perfect, right? It's not like a true majority. We're not going to get every vote and get the Democrats to vote in line every time, but uh, it's powerful. It's powerful if we get it, and so a lot of folks are wondering how do we how do we win this state? These organizers did it for Biden. What's their plan to do it again?
1: Right. So the stage is set, and the Democrats currently need to win both seats in Georgia, and then because Kamala Harris is the tie-breaking vote as the vice president. The Democrats would then have a majority. So all eyes are on Georgia. And these folks on the show are some of the most impactful organizers that are probably, as they did for the presidential, going to turn out the most amount of people that could sway it. Is that how I should be thinking about this episode? That's
0: the theory of change. That's why we're moving money to them. That's, That's the thought process. These are folks who know how to get the job done. Awesome. Well, let's get into it. Let's get on to Georgia since that is on everyone's mind. I'm not gonna sing it. I know everyone's been singing it. Let's start with you, Rashad. Color Change Pack engages in many types of organizing, including digital organizing. We heard a lot about digital organizing this year, right? Especially 2020, the pandemic, it was hard to get in front of folks. Can you both explain what digital organizing, what, what people mean, like what does that actually look like? And what kind of role is that gonna play in Georgia?
2: So a couple of things, um, you know, first, the reason why one of the reasons why it's important to support groups on the list and folks like Latasha, Ijen, and Color Change PAC is because we are third-party validators as well. At a certain point, the candidates are gonna run a lot, are gonna raise a lot of money, and I'm not telling anyone not to give money to the candidates, but after at a certain point, the TV ads and the message from the candidates will not be the third party validation. And so when I talk about digital organizing, we move from online to offline, but since the pandemic hit, we've had to engage in much deeper online ways. And so we do that through a couple of ways. One through leveraging our members through the third party validation with their networks and through tools that we've had, we have nearly 500,000 members in the state of Georgia and are able to then engage those folks to reach and engage their members. Two, we are doing digital ads and we have built a digital ad sort of function and system to be able to reach folks. We are going to be dealing with an unprecedented amount of misinformation, disinformation and attacks on these candidates. We are already starting to see it on Reverend Warnock. And if we don't have our own vehicles to actually push back, engage and actually be third party validation, we're going to what, what that what that ends up doing is it suppresses the vote. It may not transfer people over to the other canon. And the attempts to suppress the vote will be even more effective because it's only going to be one, this one race that people are going to be paying attention to. Unlike, you know, we could, you know, in the presidential when there was suppression attempts, we could be pointing to all sorts of other down ballot races. And so we're going to have to be paying very close attention to that. And that's one place where color of change is very focused and very sort of best of class in terms of digital organizing. And then we pair the work we do in terms of our digital organizing with direct mail appeals and other appeals. Because we've been in the community doing work around criminal justice, we're able to connect why these candidates are the best candidates, why people should turn out in the middle of a pandemic how people should vote and so we're pairing all of that and we're doing sort of that engagement both through our members and directly through the channels that black folks engage in and we're specifically focusing on people who are not likely to show up in these races because if we can expand the base of black voters then we actually have the sort of margin necessary and we can also push back against some of the attacks that might peel off the folks that are more sort of in the middle and so that right is is the power of our program, but overall the power of all of our programs, and I wanna hand it over to my sisters, is the fact that as outside forces, we are able to sort of in in an age where people are heading into the holidays, where folks are not gonna wanna see a lot of ads, we're able to leverage our networks to really connect around these issues and validate the reason to go out of voting beyond what the party says, beyond what the candidate says. And that's gonna be incredibly important inside of a, an election cycle where people think their work is already done.
0: Ajahn, you organize domestic workers and you've told me before that, that you have a huge base over in Georgia. What are you most excited about over the next month or two for you and your, and your army to pull off?
3: Well, we're so excited about Georgia because the domestic workers movement has all its roots in Georgia, dating all the way back to 1881, when the first Black washerwomen went on strike and raised wages for thousands of domestic workers throughout the city of Atlanta, to the great civil rights icon Dorothy Bolden, who started the National Domestic Workers Union in 1968. These Black women leaders are the foremothers of our movement. And we've been building deep organizing in Georgia since 2013, and that work got supercharged in 2018 thanks to the leadership of the one and only Nakima Williams, Congresswoman-elect, um, who really built out a political program in Georgia that allowed for domestic workers to unleash in our democracy. And we're so energized and mobilized, knocking on doors, organizing their networks, organizing in their own communities, talking to voters just like them, who nobody else really talks to, um, and engaging them in the democratic process, helping to expand the electorate, following the Stacey Abrams playbook, and doing our part. And um, it was the 2018 campaign was transformative for our movement. We've just been building on it since then and are really excited to put boots on the ground in the state, um, knock on doors as many as possible and plug into the efforts that Pro Georgia and Georgia Engage are coordinating with voters across communities. I mean, the thing about Georgia that's so amazing is the winning combination is great organizing, great leadership, great coalition networks and infrastructure to really drive strategy and great strategy. And all of those things are present in Georgia. And that infrastructure is gonna be translated to incredible force on the doors, via phones, via text, in communities, in churches, in synagogues, in mosques, in all the temples. And I mean, there's so many organizations. I just also wanna shout out Asian Americans Advancing Justice in Georgia that does amazing work in the API community there. Um, Glar and Gente, who've been mobilizing the Latinx vote in Georgia, which is growing in power. It's game on and we're all in.
0: I think you're totally right. The groundswell is there. The roadmap is there. Folks know how to activate. We just need to get them the resources so so they can execute latasha, you you were a regional organizer, right? You were in many states, and Georgia being one of them, you were really effective in Georgia. What worked the last couple times you've been to Georgia during the uh, lead up to November third that you're excited to replicate and and make happen again?
4: Anybody that's from the South or you know the South, we're very regional. We're very mm-hmm. outsiders. We're very insular in many cases. I mean, to our detriment, But it's also you have to use it to that space to really be able to organize around. So I think it's going to be really critical that we don't over nationalize this race, that we allow that literally that the voices that are empowered are the folks from Georgia, so that there are messages coming in Georgia saying why Georgia needs this Senate seat. Like We're going to Mm. deliver this to America, but this is why Georgia needs this Senate seat. I think in addition to that, too, the work that we're doing, I think what made a difference is that out of all the work, all of the years that I've been doing work in Georgia, because I'm not one of the ones to say everything in Georgia has been fine and dandy, I've had a big critique of Georgia. I've worked in Alabama and Mississippi, and I still would say the organizing infrastructure in, in in states that had a civil rights movement is actually much greater than the infrastructure in in some of the other states, right? And so Georgia had to be built up. And part of what has also happened is that there was so much focus on Metro Atlanta because you got this expo- you got these huge numbers that what you were seeing is the black belt of Georgia, those those counties in the um in the black belt that they were calling out there was like, well what do you think we're gonna do? Well we knew what they were gonna do because we've been working there. And so um that fundamentally there had to be a a there had to be a statewide strategy that did not just focus on the Black voters that were in the metro area, but also in the Black Belt of Georgia. And and, um, uh, many of the marginalized voters, Indivisible has been wonderful in Georgia as well, many of the other groups. And so that's the second thing. The third thing that I'll just say is, in terms of all the years I've been doing the work, which is why I brought this up, the level of coordination, I saw groups coordinate, right, literally, it was all those groups that we've named Ajahn and I and Rashad have named, including the way that the national group showed up, I think, was it's very respectful around empowering their base of local leadership. That worked mm-hmm. When it's the parachute way, that does not work. And wow. so I think that there is a tremendous amount of what works. What I don't want us to underestimate is I don't want us to underestimate the hurdles, y'all, that we had that we literally are up against a lot of resistance, right? This is still Georgia and it's still the deep South, but fundamentally what you see is where the energy is in this state is literally the momentum is on our side. And so the question is how do we use this momentum to really be able to usher in what we've said we're we're uniquely positioned to be able to do that. Cause I do think we're far, far more energized. I mean, there's even some, as y'all see, um, may know that even the Secretary of State, the two Senate, the two Senate candidates, the Secretary of State is Republican, the two Senate candidates threw him under the bus because of press, pressure for Trump. So there's even some friction within the party. So while they over there fighting, <laughs> we gotta literally take the opportunity to really build the momentum. And then the last thing that I'll say is part of our piece, and and I know that we are, and I'm I'm wearing my Black Voters Matter Action pack hat. So I'm in my, I'm in my 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 super pack hat that we can't try to sell folks something that that and not recognize when people still have some legitimate issues or questions around it. And reason why I'm saying that is if we go out and try to sell like it's about the Democrats party. It's about the Democrats getting the Democrats' power, right? Like it's some white sliced bread when many black I don't know about y'all, but let me be honest with you all. Before this fifth twenty years, the Democratic Party had control of the of Georgia in the state legislature for thir- for seventy five years, and Alabama was hundred years, and North Carolina was fifty years. The bottom line is, all Democrats ain't Democrats, right? And there is an there's an alignment even in the South. And what I'm saying about that is, there's a history in the South around where Black folks have been marginalized by both parties in the context, particularly if we're talking about the South. So just because you say Democrat don't mean Black folks gonna be all excited, right? And so part of why, why Trump was able, in my opinion, to gain some traction is because there is some real discontent that exists in our community. And he exploited as we've seen leadership do that before. He's exploited that pain. He's exploited the fact that there have been people who haven't been t- spoken to. And so I think what we have to do is we have to really be able to center a message of how this power really is rests with them, what the possibilities and the potential of the voters, and that's what we're doing, what the voters are here and why we have to beat back. You know, uh, We got to get control of the Senate because we want these other things, these other elements. And so, I'm, and I think that that requires a sophistication, which I think Rashad and them are brilliant. I think they're the best in the game of it actually, around messaging. So there has to be some resources. I can literally get, I I will, somebody can put me to the test. I can sit there and you can put commercials on and I can literally almost tell you down to where that commercial was created. Mm-hmm. It can be a Southern. You can put it depending on the drawl. I like, nope, they're not from the South. Whoever did this, this, the colloquialisms. My point is sometimes the messages are developed in D.C. or in New York. I just I can tell just I can look at it for five seconds and know that they didn't have a single Southerner on their team because there's a certain kind of nuance the way, even the way we say y'all, everybody say y'all, but we say y'all in a certain kind of way, right? Uh, I know I do, (laughs) but um, that's the Alabama drawl in me. My my point being is that as much as we can keep this as authentic indigenous message as possible, that is going to require resources. That's going to require, not just for the campaign, the campaign's gonna do their thing, right? That the campaigns need money, but there's a nuanced way that you talk to Southern people of color, that we get the message. We know we we get the message and you have to tailor that. And that requires resources. Also the ground game is gonna call, uh, require resources, but in many ways where the party, not that the intention, and, and I'm really pleased with the leadership of the party because of Nakima, but we also, I'm saying that there is a history that, that the party has its own struggle within it. And so in order to offset that, we've got to have, as Rashad calls us, these third party validators, are far far more critical in places like this that you're literally talking about the shift of power from one party to another party
0: i want i want to touch on a couple of things one i i think that's why you know my my, myself and my partners were in such a rush to stand this thing up is we figured warnock and ossoff we're, we're gonna get a lot of donations and if folks didn't know where else to go that was going to be the lion's share of the money moved. And that's why we included, you know, you all, but also New Georgia Project, the Black Male Voter Project, uh, Black Church Pack, the Working Families Party in Georgia, and also, you know, other local organizations. Uh, It's so important, to your point, to fund folks who really understand and know the state and the culture down that way. Uh, Mondale Robinson, by the way, said something really similar to what you just said about the draw being off in certain commercials. I have a question uh, to your point, Latasha. Do you think your work is a little more difficult in some ways because we only have the top of the ballot now, right? We have these Democrats running for Senator and turning out uh turning out voters oftentimes especially black voters there's a focus on these down ballot elections that impact people's lives right district attorney races like what rashad was talking about do you feel like there's a because of this kind of distrust in the top of the ballot is there a greater lift even are, are community organizers going to need even more resources and to talk to more folks because there's not those local city council elections sheriff da elections to to talk to
4: in my opinion, this is the strongest. In in any other year, I don't know if I would would even be thinking. If you had asked me this four years ago, if we could take two Senate seats, I like, I don't know about that. <laughs> right. right, right. To, but, to your
0: point, though, there's nothing hypothetical about if you fund organizers in Georgia, we can win the state. It just happened. It, it was just called.
4: State. And I don't think that it'll just affect Georgia. I think that literally a win here is going to literally help in other, the win in other states. I really do. Like as we go on for the midterms, I think it, it could I think it can bring some other pieces as well. So I just think there's all kind of dynamics. But my point is, I'm I saying this from the depths of my heart. We can win Georgia, right? It is. Go- I'm not minimizing that it's going to be easy, but we can win Georgia.
0: I want to give space, you know, uh, w- without a question, just just open space, uh, a minute or two to share what you feel like you need to share before we get out of here. Aijin, I'll start with you.
3: Yeah, as Latasha was talking, I was just thinking about Miss Pat and Miss Shaquell and the domestic workers in Georgia and what they've been through in the COVID crisis. I mean, it is a full-blown depression for so many. Uh, working class folk, so many voters, so many folks of color. It has been literally devastating, the loss of life and livelihood. And those folk are part of our momentum. I mean, Miss Shaquel, Ms. Pat, and others are going to be driving this program on the ground. They're going to be knocking the doors and they know exactly what's at stake. And they know exactly what losing means (laughs) and also what winning could mean. And, and I just believe that we have everything that it takes to win and agree with Latasha. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be a lot of roadblocks along the way, but I believe in us. I believe in our people. I believe in the power of our people and I believe in what's been built in Georgia so hard and the leaders on the ground in Georgia. I mean, they're some of the best organizers we have in the country, and so I just think we're going to do it. We're going to win both seats.
0: Beautiful, thank you, Aijen, Rashad.
2: You know, I just I honestly have to just second what my sisters have both said. Um, they are um, two of the uh, most strategic, creative, and impactful, successful um, leaders that I know. Um, the thing I will say is that you know we've got about five hundred thousand irregular, low propensity voters that will probably be in a runoff that probably goes up to about 800,000. You've got um, and so if you think about sort of those numbers and what is it going to take to reach folks that don't normally turn out to voters. I just want to second what's already been said by each of us is that it's not going to be the party and it's not going to be the candidates that is going to get those folks to the polls. It is going to be the groups that are on this list. And that's why this strategy is so incredibly important. But the other thing that I guess want to lead us with, because, yes, we want to win both seats but why do we wanna win both seats? We wanna win both seats because it is a pathway to actually making people's lives better, to actually helping people have the representation that their communities deserve and they deserve. And so part of this, the investment, is that you're also investing in groups that are not going away after the election cycle is over. That is not packing up the offices and packing up the shop and packing up the the infrastructure, but they're there um, year round to engage on all the things that matter. And local, and being local is important, you know? And so part of why the groups on this list are so important is because we have worked to build local infrastructure or they're actually locally based, you know, directly. And that is important as well as, as you may start seeing in the final weeks, like, creative social media or Silicon Valley things that come about that seem like they are like moonshots at getting us solving problems that nobody asks to solve. You know, if 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 it's not coming from the people most impacted, it probably is not gonna solve the problem. And so part of what the other thing I just wanna leave folks with is that we also have to trust the people to build the infrastructure to solve the problems and lead us in the right direction.
0: Right on. Other local orgs on our list, Southerners on New Ground, Georgia Shift, Poder Latinx, Fair Fight. Uh, they all are worth mentioning. I missed them the last time through. Latasha, I think I want to start by day with you. Like we can have like an espresso together or something, man. You got all the energy. Oh, I, I, you, ain't I, I, you ain't ready. You ain't ready. I, I mean, I, you know, I, I it could only benefit me. <laughs> It'd be fantastic. Yeah, so you want to r- wrap us up, Latasha? What are your closing thoughts here?
4: Well, the first thing I did right was the day I started to fight. Keep your eyes on the prize and hold on, hold on. You know, I do want to say um, sometimes what I think is we are, we believe more in strategy than we believe in people. And I say that that people are strategy, (laughs) that empowering people is a strategy. Um, and so part of the millions and imagine, I just imagine the billions of dollars that go to major media outlets and, and that could actually be invested in people and people who on a day-to-day are putting their lives on the line to to save and stand for democracy. And so I think that what we see right now, this, this isn't just a campaign, y'all. I think that this is really a, something is transformative is happening in this country. You know, I think that we have to recognize that People are feeling there is a moment that in the midst of great pain is great possibilities. And so I do think that people responded to the pain. And so I just ask you all to continue to stand with people that we can do this, but it's so much more empowering if we're doing it where we're building long-term infrastructure so Mm -hmm. that the infrastructure that exists, we can put DAs in office and we can put state board of education members in office. And so that fundamentally for me, this isn't just about two Senate seats. This is literally about the lives of folks around building power long-term. We need and deserve two senators from this state that are going to literally be able to respond to our needs and work with this administration. The country needs that, but we need that as well. And so I just ask you all, just say thank you. Thank you for joining the call. Thank you for listening. Many of you all, I'm quite sure you've already supported. Thank you for believing in us and the work that we're doing and investing in us, right? And so I think that the best investment you can ever make is if you make an investment in determined people, it doesn't matter what the other side does. We've seen that. We have beat them. Folks in Selma, Alabama, that's why I sung that song, they didn't have the most money. They didn't have the government on their side. What they had is they had a certain belief in their own agency. They had the spirit to resist, and they had people that stood with them, and we made history. And so what happened in Georgia is that same space. We we had more resources than we normally have, but we didn't have the most. But what we do is we have shown that we are very good stewards with the work that we have because what you're doing is you're not investing in somebody's idea. You're investing in our vision for ourselves and our commitment to change our lives. So thank you all so much and and thank you all for the work that you all already done and supporting us.
0: Thank you. Thanks for closing us out. Look, thank you all three, you, Aijin, Natasha, Rashad. Thanks for spending your time over here and all the work you're doing. If you haven't yet, I was going to say, like, if you're inspired by these three, how could you not be inspired by you three? If you're inspired by, by these three and we have other amazing, amazing leaders that they they shout out, I shout out that we're also funding through this, go to winboseats.org, fund this whole crew. Latasha, you're 100% right. The most effective way to win both seats is to invest in this crew and... The investments we should be making are the investments in people. So these folks can build more political power. So we don't just uh, have this transactional moment where maybe we win Georgia, maybe we don't You invest in these candidates, but actually we build the the political power to continue winning elections, both down ballot, up ballot, everywhere. So winboseats.org. I know we're tired. It was a long election season. The orange clown was very scary, but we're at the end of it. This is the last push. Go big. And thank you so, so much for your time and energy. Appreciate you all. Have a wonderful night. Thank you for listening to what we don't know. If you're looking for more content like this, you can head over and be a supporter on our Patreon, patreon.com WWDK. You can also follow us on social. We're WWDK pod on Twitter and Instagram. I hope this finds you happy, healthy and safe. All right. Take care.